where we're going to uh, receive uh, the, the word of the Lord from our good friend and pastor, Pastor Snyder, Sam Snyder from uh, Minneapolis uh, Bethel Christian Fellowship. And then this morning, that hymn, uh, the Lord going to use uh, to bless our heart. And then we're going to just uh, pray and then prepare your heart, get your Bible. Dear Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for doing, oh Lord, the thing that we would never and ever did for ourselves. You did it, Lord, in a powerful way and complete. And this morning, oh Lord, and this is your servant, your son. You take, oh Lord, from the pile of of uh, Lord uh, thus and then the uh, Lord you sanctify him and bring him into your presence where you're going to use Father we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit cover him and anoint him and touch his lips right now Lord while he's going the uh, Lord to deliver the fruit of heaven and then, the Lord, uh, I pray that you can, the Lord, uh, open our heart. And, Lord, every heart places in our hearts, Father God, we pray that you can remove and let the Holy Spirit take control over our hearts. That your words, the Lord, may fall, Father God, on the place that we, where you want it to fall. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, you were just asked to open your Bibles or turn on your cell phones or tablets or whatever you might be using for the Bible today, because we're talking about media. So if you have your Bible on your cell phone today, that's okay. We'll let it, we'll let it slide because it kind of fits with the sermon. Just today. No. We'll talk about that. Media is a pretty big part of our lives. And we've been talking about kingdom culture affecting the seven different spheres of cultural influence that we interact with on a regular basis. And media is one of those things. Actually, it's one of the ones that we interact with the most on a regular basis. And we're talking about, well, what is this call to influence in these different areas of ministry? How are we called to influence these different areas of culture that we're in? Because we're all called to ministry, right? Everybody okay with that? Everybody agree that ministry is my vocation and my occupation is something else that I do. But my ministry is in whatever field I find myself in and whatever sphere of influence I'm interacting in, I'm a minister for all of us. So how, what does that ministry look like all of these different spheres of influence. There's been a divide for years that separates the sacred and the secular, that sec separates clergy and laity. And it's based on this lie that there's this distinction between um, the sacred and the secular, that what we do um, inside of a building is sacred, but what we do outside of the building isn't. That what we do when we come together as a church is something holy and wonderful, but yet we can't have that same kind of experience in the world. 
So we separate, and we say, that is other. And we go back to what sometimes is called the real world. And that's the separation of the sacred and the secular, which is part of the separation then of clergy and laity, because then we say, well, clergy are people that get to do the sacred stuff all the time. And the rest of us, I mean, we don't. And, you know, that's their job. But that's not biblical. Okay, a couple people believe that, yes. One of the elders in the church believes that, that's good. Which, by the way, uh, today with us, which is really uh, a rare thing, but my mom is here with us, and she's here, they're missionaries in Mexico, which is where I grew up, and she's here for, this is the only Sunday here, so say hi to my mom later if you get a chance. So, we're not called to the sacred we're called to the secular. We're called to ministry in whatever sphere of influence we find ourselves in. And as we are transformed by kingdom culture, every sphere that we're interacting with then should also be transformed. Should be, anyway. So we've been covering these, and today we're going to talk about media. It's estimated that there's more information that has been produced in the last 30 years than in the previous 5,000 With the internet, 24-hour television, mobile phones, social networking, we interact with about five times more information every day than we did back in 1986. Some of you weren't alive in 1986. It's okay. It's different now than it was then. Information itself has grown tremendously. So it's not just that we interact with five times more information on a daily basis, which is overwhelming when you think about it. But there's more information than, than there's ever been. Because of all of these emails going around, the Twitter, other social networking, text messages. There's tons of information in the air. In fact, floating around the world right now in the Internet, there is about 295 exabytes of data. That's what that looks like. That many pieces of information are floating around on the Internet right now, and that's always growing. Some of you have some email service providers that show you a little tab on the side and goes like, we have this much storage. Boom, bumps up. This much bumps up. They're constantly expanding their storage capacity because information is multiplying so fast. That right there is 315 times the amount of sand on the planet. Crazy, huh? That's a lot of information, and we interact with it. And the funny thing is that that's still less than 1% of the information stored in the DNA of one human body. So it's a lot of information, but God's got more. So interacting with this much information can be overloading, it can be overwhelming. There's actually an information anxiety from interacting with too much, and we can't handle it. So we <gasps> gotta shut Facebook off, but it's so much fun. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, where I just overwhelmed by how much information there is in this world. Like the pace of life is accelerated, and you can't keep up anymore. You could pretty much Spend your whole day watching what's trending on Facebook and Twitter and still miss out on stuff that's actually happening 
on Facebook and Twitter. Never mind the rest of the world. There's a lot of information that we have to interact with, and we're surrounded by it continually. Did you know that there are more? We interact with media and information on so many different levels. One of the primary ways that we get that is through screens now, papers kind of you know, disappearing. And in some ways, people argue that it's going to continue, and it probably will. But screens have taken over the world. There are more screens in the world than there are people. There are as many computers in the world as there are people. Just computers. It's crazy. Most people today around the world, or, or, I'm sorry, in the United States, spend seven hours a day interacting with media. Seven hours. That's almost a full-time job. But if it's seven days a week, that's more than a full-time job. But get this. It would be 11 hours a day if you counted the media separately. That means for at least four hours, they're overlapping media. So I'm on my phone while I'm watching TV. How many of you have done that? Uh, pretty much, I, I think everybody. You're on your laptop while you're watching the, the, the TV or a movie. You're updating your Facebook status at the movie theater. You're doing two at the same time. Fifty years ago, it used to be that we interacted with media, primarily through the television, radio, newspaper, books. That's how we received information, and it was all one way. Now information is multiplied because we all interact with it. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, you'll update your status. How many of you guys have Twitter? All right, a handful of you. How many of you guys have Facebook? A lot more of you. All right. So if you don't agree with anything I'm saying today, you can go ahead and update your status. This is at least one service where you have permission to do that, right? Or if you agree, you can put that up there too. Two decades ago, the average child spent 15 to 20 hours per week digesting media. That's just 20 years ago. Average child under 18 was spending 15 to 20 hours per week. You know how much it is now? Anybody want to guess? 60 hours per week of unduplicated time. So if you added what they're doing while they're doing other things, Unduplicated time, 60 hours per week. That's a lot of time. Media is kind of a big deal. And I, I'm, just in case you're wondering, okay, Sam, that's, that's great. I'm, I might say a lot of things today as we're getting into it with all these statistics that sound just like crazy and huge and Sam hates media. But really, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from a tablet. So, and I've got a cell phone in my pocket. I've been a, uh, one of those early adopters when it comes to technology my whole life. I was talking to somebody the other day that was on a computer. They're 22 years old. They're working on stuff, and I just hop over, and I do a bunch of shortcuts on the keyboard. And they're like, whoa, how do you know how to do that? I'm like, yeah, I've been using a computer since before you were born. Weird. I, I mean, I played video games before they were actually video. You guys remember when it was text? You would like... Yes. You push Y for yes and N for no if you wanted to buy things. I mean, so it was crazy, and we thought that was fun. <laughs> I, I, I was one of the, I, I had a, a palm. I've had a bunch of different palms. I've had blackberries. I've had, I was one of the 
first into the first devices that were Androids. I've never made the, skip, the jump to iPhone, and I probably never will. I've been on laptops and other forms of media. I was on Twitter a couple months after it came out. I was on Facebook right after they released it to, like, outside of these specific college campuses could have it. I was telling people about Facebook and that were teenagers, and they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then they were on Facebook a couple years later, and I'm telling them about Twitter, and they're like, that is so lame. And then like a year and a half, two years later, they got a Twitter account. I'm going, what? So I've inter I interact with media. I'm not against it. You will hear some, some statistic that you'll be like, he hates it. But here's the truth. We now devote more time to media than to anything other than sleep. Media has become America's most widespread and serious addiction. This is family time. But it's true. I wanted to take pictures. Last night, Sarah and I were out, and I wanted to take pictures of people, but I thought that might be rude. But there'd be like three people standing together, and they all have their cell phones out. They're standing in a little triangle as if they were talking to each other, but they're all doing this. I'm like, oh, this would be a great example. But I didn't take pictures of them. It's become an addiction. And we can know it's an addiction because of how much we depend on it and how much we deny that it's actually a problem. Because you can hear me say all these statistics and you're probably thinking, that's not me. I'm not that bad. Hey, I'm pretty sure I interact with media like six hours a day, not, not seven. And this studies show that this isn't a generational gap thing. This isn't a, oh, it's the people under 20 that are doing this. This is actually the same for parents as it is for their kids who are teens. And they're just interacting with media in different forms, but they're still interacting with media. Because we have this belief we've been, that, that's kind of been ingrained into us in this shift into technology that's happened over the last several decades that we shouldn't miss out on whatever the latest thing is that's coming out, whether it be breaking news on your TV or radio or the latest thing to hit Twitter. We can't miss it. So we've got to set our phones to update every five minutes, which, by the way, is a, a great way to kill your battery, just in case you're wondering, don't do that. But we interact with media today in a bunch of different ways. And we interact with a bunch of different forms of media. So I'm going to talk through a couple of these significant ones. And I'm going to read you what people around the world have said about these things in a study that was conducted uh, from people around the world of different ages. One person said of this form that we receive media through, they said, whenever I'm down, Whenever I'm bored, whenever I don't have anything to do, one of my best friends is a TV. It's my best friend. It's a big fellow that occupies a whole lot of space, pays no rent, and costs me a lot of money. But it keeps me entertained when there's no one else to hang out with. Average time spent, an average time that the TV is on in a U.S. home is six hours and 47 minutes per day. Somebody in the house is watching it on an average day. 85% of people watch more than five hours a week. So if you're all thinking that's not me, you're, that's statistically probably not possible. You're like, well, I'm, I'm the 15%. 52% watch five to 15 hours. 
of people watch 16 to 20 hours. That's a part-time job, just watching TV. The hours watched TV and of TV watching nationally are 250 billion hours. If you averaged out a wage at 10 hours, $10 per hour, that's $2.5 trillion that we could have made while we watched TV. But instead, we paid for it. Anyway, I'll keep going. I do own a TV, in case you're wondering. I keep bashing. T I own one. I just don't have cable. Or channels, for that matter. But anyway, here's another one, another device that we interact with media through. One person said of it, sometimes it's my guardian angel. When I'm not sure what to do, I consult my computer. Through the computer, we interact with social media. 62% of adults that are connected to the internet use social media. Social networking is mo the most popular online activity. 22% of the time that is spent on the internet is spent on social media. That's a lot of time. It's kind of important. Movies. Multi-billion dollar a year industry. We go to them, we watch them. Some of you might be like, well, I don't, I don't go to the movie theaters, I don't support that, but do you watch them when they come on TV? Then you're still supporting it, okay. Radio and music. So if you happen to find yourself in a place where all of these other things aren't happening, maybe you're shopping. What's on in the background? Music, right? We're bombarded by this. You're like, okay, Sam, I get it, it's a big deal. Get to the point. Now, never mind the other ways that we interact with books, newspapers, magazines, or Kindles, video games, tablets. We interact with a lot of these other things. But there's one other thing that's really, really vague. One person said of this one thing that is so popular that 77% of the world's consumers use this, the world. They said, this person in the United Kingdom said, it knows me very intimately and it pretty much controls my life. A person in Singapore said, it's my best friend. I sleep with it, I eat with it, I bathe with it. I do everything with it. Somebody in the United States said, when I leave it behind, my world stops. What is it? Cell phone, yeah. It's a big deal. The average person spends 2.7 hours socializing using their cell phone in a day. That's twice the time that we spend eating. That's 30% of the time an average person sleeps spent on our cell phones. But the really curious thing, and it's cool, and the best inventions of our times are found on a cell phone. Flashlight, calculator, all of the internet, more than 50% of, of consumers, more than 50% of the cell phones in the United States are smartphones now. It's 53 or 54%. That's crazy. But we have calculators, a level, because you're doing a construction project and you're like, hey, the level's downstairs. I'm just going to download an app on my phone. Here, hang on a second. And then a level so that you can use a, all sorts of cameras video cameras, you can watch movies on it. It can do anything. It's like a genie in a bottle. 
can do everything. We're surrounded by media. And somehow in the middle of all this activity, in the middle of all this knowledge and all of these messages, there can be this emptiness that it just can't fill. I want to show you something that was originally created as a spoof of the iPhone, and therefore I enjoyed it. But then, and all of you iPhone people are hating me right now, and you're like, I'm not going to listen to anything else he says. He just insulted the iPhone. Just relax. I'm okay with you guys having that as a phone. I'm not that, that against it. But I thought it was funny. And then I, as I was watching this, I realized, wow, this is about more than the iPhone. This is actually a commentary, a social commentary on our times. Of what it means to be in this media and information-saturated society that's still missing an important message. And if you can put up that video, we'll just watch that here together. And your attention spans are shorter, too, because of all your media things. So you're like, wow, what's taking so long? That's what you're thinking. So all of this media, that's why I said it, it, it turns into like this commentary on society and how we're so immersed in media and how we've used it in many times to replace connections. And it's obviously not meeting the deep need for connection that's within all of us. Can I give you guys a couple more statistics before we get into the Bible? You guys, can you handle it? I know your minds are exploding, but hey, there's five times more information you're going to interact with today anyway. So let's just go for it. There have been over 3,500 medical studies that have shown the effects of media on us. Only 18 out of the 3,500 have been able to say that there is no correlation between media violence and violent behavior. Most of the media studies of the 3,500 have shown connections to an oversaturation of media and other negative results in our lives. So, for instance, among children 2 through 18, the greater the media exposure, the less restful sleep they get at night. The shorter their attention span, the worse their grades, the more aggressive behavior, the more desensitized to violence and sexualization they become. And this isn't just limited to kids, in case you're doing that thing where you deny it and go like that, see, it's not me. A Harvard medical study discovered that for all ages, the more media we consume, the more calories we consume. What's up with that? Extended interaction with media has been shown to reduce creativity and create anxiety from information overload. By the time a person reaches the age of 21, it's estimated that they will have been exposed to more than 250,000 acts of violence through television, movies, and video games. That's just through those three things. They will have viewed more than 2,000 sexualized images that reduce the dignity and value of human life. They will have listened to, now this is through music, several thousand hours of music in which the lyrical content promotes anger, hostility, disrespect for authority, selfishness, and radical independence. Yet among teenagers and young adults, two-thirds say that media and technology makes them happy. So much so that the thought of not having access to media or technology creates substantial emotional stress. Leave my phone behind for the retreat? Turn it off during the service? What? I can't do that. So instead, I will put it on vibrate. And then no one will hear the bzz, bzz. Like, somehow that's like we're hiding it. But because not having access to that, actually there's, there's been studies that have, have almost um, made the association that 
Cell phones have become security blankets for us, even as adults. That when we don't have them, we feel insecure and exposed. You've heard people say, when I leave my house without my phone, I feel naked. Yes, because they've become these little security blankets for us. Because we know that wherever we are, we can always call 911 if we're afraid of that. Or find out information if we're afraid of being ignorant. Or stay connected to people if we're afraid of being lonely wherever we're at. So we're okay, as long as we have our cell phones. In May of 2012, a man from Washington State was shot in the head with an arrow by his 15-year-old daughter. He had to be airlifted in critical condition, and she had to be taken down by a SWAT team because she had fled into the woods with 35 arrows in her bow. Why did this happen? That's a funny association, but no. <laughs> maybe, maybe the dad bought her the, the bow and arrow because of the Hunger Games. But she shot him in the head because he took away her cell phone. Yeah. And then when he's lying on the floor bleeding to death, he ended up living. But while he's lying there in blood, she won't let him use the phone to call 911. That's messed up, isn't it? Something is wrong. 7,000 people were surveyed between the ages of 16 and 30 around the world. And they were asked if they had to give up, if they had to choose between giving up social media and all of the other forms of technology that we use to interact with, with the internet and social media, or one of their senses, the sense of smell, 53% chose giving up their sense of smell for the rest of their life. Something's wrong. That's what we would call idolatry. And it's a big deal. So it's not meeting this deep, meaningful need for connection, but there is good coming from it. There's lots of good that, can, that it can be used for. So it's important to interact with, interact with these different forms of media in healthy ways, in kingdom ways. But what does that look like? What does a kingdom interaction and kingdom influence in media and allowing the kingdom to influence how I use media and allowing the kingdom to influence through the media that I use? Do you know that right now, there's no real difference between how Christians interact with media and people who aren't Christians interact with media. Studies show that there's no real noticeable difference. I think there should be, especially considering all these statistics you've just been overloaded with and you're starting to get this information anxiety problem. What does the Bible say about living in, a, in an environment that is so saturated with other messages? I'm looking at my watch, and if you know what that means when you're a pastor, that actually doesn't mean anything. So I just felt like looking at it. Okay. How do we interact with these things? How do we live in an environment where we're saturated and surrounded by different messages? Well, there was a group of people in the Bible, actually several different instances, where they were in places where the culture around them was totally different than what they were called to. The people of Israel in their captivity in, in Babylon, they were surrounded by different culture, different languages, different religions, different philosophies. And yet God had called them to be there. In Isaiah 29, he said that they were to stay there and that he had a purpose for them there. And we look in Matthew, and Matthew talks about God, God's plan for the Jewish people having been that they would be a light to the nations. 
surrounded by different messages, but to be light there. In Isaiah chapter 40, while the people kind of referring to their time of captivity and yet the hope that they would have, Isaiah 40 verse 3. So if you have your Bible, this is a good time to turn there or, you know, I don't know what you would call this motion on the cell phone, but do that to get to it. And Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. I've got part of the verse up there for you. Here's talking about their time there, surrounded by all of this, but that God was going to do something out of that. It says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This thing just doesn't go back. Okay. Well, I jumped ahead to the next one for you. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? This is the answer. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, look at this. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? Have you ever interacted with your status updates like this? A voice says, post something, and I say, what should I post? Post that the grass withers, the flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass, and the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. What if we interacted with, our, with media in that way, that when we're about to post something, we say, what shall I cry? What shall I put out there? I am happy, I am happy, I am happy. What should I put out there? It keeps going. Get, uh, there we go. I skipped ahead again and I can't go back. Can you put me back to that other one? Verse 9. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is good news. So these were people who were in captivity, surrounded by all sorts of different cultural influences and messages. And he was telling them, I am going to do a work in you and through you. I'm going to restore Israel. And when I restore Israel, in the midst of all of that, that is going to be a message for the world to see Behold your God. What I'm going to do in you is something that I want the world to see. So that you can say, with what I do in you, when I restore that, you can say, when I repair that, when I heal that, to the world, behold your God. This is good news. This is good news that the mountains had been made low for. That the, the low places had been raised up so that there could be a clear path for the message that says there is good news, there is a king coming 
who is good, a king who will gather as a shepherd, who will restore people back to him, where with this good news we can turn around and point and say, Behold our God. They were supposed to shout it out. I said, Get up on the mountaintop, tweet it, post it on Facebook. Behold your God. My life has been rescued, restored. I've experienced the love of God. I've experienced his transforming work in my life. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to shout it from the mountain so that people will see our God. Now, in the days of the early church, there was a similar environment. They were surrounded by many messages and a lot more hostility than being unfriended on Facebook. I mean, really, they were killing them. And in the days of the early church, Peter writes to the early church and says about living in the midst of this environment where the messages that they were receiving were coming in different forms, but they were still getting bombarded with messages that were countercultural to the culture that they had been called to. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and if you've got your Bible, you can just go ahead to verse 9 because I'm going to read through more than I think what, what I've got up there. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See that there? Proclaim. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've got something to talk about. He says that you're a priesthood, you're a people, you're a possession to proclaim the excellencies of God. He goes on to say, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Now that's the same picture that we get of the people of Israel in the passage we read in Jeremiah. They were sojourners and they were exiles in the land of Babylon. Guess what? You are sojourners and exiles in this land. This is not our land. This is not our culture. You may have been born in America and you may say, I'm an American. And you may have been born in another country and you may say, I'm not an American. Well, either way, this is not our land. This is not our culture in that sense because we have another culture, a kingdom culture which transcends all earthly cultures. That's what we're called into. So your sojourners and exiles abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So abstain from the passions of the flesh. Abstain from doing what everybody else is doing or acting the way everybody else is acting or talking the way everybody else is talking. Keep your conduct honorable so that when people want to say something bad about how you're doing these things, they can only give glory to God. It's pretty intense. It's a high calling there. Verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Being people like accusing you of things that you're not doing or accusing you, well, you're just like us in that sense. Live as people who are free, not slaves, not bound. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. It's God's will to bring him glory by doing good. And that's in every sphere of influence that we find ourselves in, including media. So how do I leverage my relationship with media for good? He says here, live as servants 
love others. Fear God, honor God, honor your leaders. Right now, right there, he says, honor the emperor, which at the time was the most perverted and corrupt emperor. If there had been social media, he probably would have told them, don't bash him on Twitter. Don't mock him. The great commandment still applies to them, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Because the neighbor and the great commandment was the person who was least like us. So how are you interacting with media and technology? Are you controlled by media or empowered by media? Are you bound or are you free? Peter talked about live free and don't let your freedom be an excuse for evil. Are you addicted? Or do you have boundaries? Do you have rhythms? One of the big differences that where there is no difference, but I think it's, we're supposed to have differences, is how we interact with, this, with, with media. How much? When? Why? Our meal times should look different than everyone else because our priorities should be different with kingdom culture. What's on the TV in our house should be different because we interact with it in a different way. When we do these things and how much we do these things should be different because we establish boundaries, we establish rhythms that promote good and promote health. So we try to find ways that work for our family or for our environment or for our context that to use media in a way that is healthy. But how do we do that? Well, one of those ways is finding regular rhythms of rest, trying to find regular ways or things to do with your cell phone to get rid of it, to set it aside. Maybe it's periods of rest during the day. Or maybe, well, maybe it's having a Sabbath day for your phone. What? I know teenagers that have Sabbath days for their phones. Not because their parents make them either, if you're wondering. No. They, they said, they realized, I interact with technology so much that it's a stewardship thing. So we talk about stewardship in terms of time, talent, and treasures. Well, we should probably add technology to our stewardship. How do I interact with it? So taking Sabbath time, so that might not mean shutting your phone off completely, but it might mean leaving it plugged in in your room. So that it's not in your pocket. So you're walking around like, oh, it's still there. I feel safe. It's my blanket. Yes. I'm still covered. Are you free to enjoy life? Or are you always not fully engaged in the present because you're connects, trying to connect so much out there that you're not engaging in the present? Because in reality, we are looking for these deep, meaningful connections. But the studies are showing that we're not going to find them only through media. Media can help if it's used correctly. And if it's used with boundaries and guidelines and rhythms and rest. 74% of parents said that the exposure of their children to inappropriate media content is one of their top concerns. Yet only one in three of all parents actually have guidelines for media consumption or any form of limitations for how much or what kind of media their kids can use. 
That doesn't make any sense. 74% say this is really important. Only one out of three are actually doing anything about it. But it's not just for kids, it's for all of us. Are you free to enjoy life? Are you empowered to live in deeper relationships with others because you're not bound by it and you're actually leveraging it and using it? Are you using it to connect with others more deeply or more superficially? Are you a consumer? I have no idea why that just did that. Let me try that. Well, there it came back. Are you a consumer or a discerner of media? Do you just freely consume and kind of open your mouth and let, let it fill me? Turn the TV on and receive it? The radio, the internet, everything on the internet is not true. Actually, one person said that by this growth and multiplication of information, it actually makes life more complicated for us because we have to sort through more things that are wrong. Like those chain emails that people keep forwarding. Seriously, cut it out. I'm <laughs> are you a consumer or are you a discerner? Are you consuming with no thought what you watch on TV, what you watch in the, in the movie theaters, what you're inhaling through social media? Here's a good question to ask. What's the fruit that it's bringing to your life? Is it bringing you closer to God, or is it bringing you closer to other people, or not? Are you discerning the worldviews and the values that are being promoted through these things, either explicitly or in a form of a hidden agenda? Do you pay attention to, why did this movie producer make this movie? What were they trying to tell me? How are they trying to shift culture or not, whether um, deliberately or, or not? What's underlying their assumptions that they're putting on the screen or what's on the internet or the music that I'm listening to? Are we discerning it? Discernment is a lot like eating fish off the bone. How many of you guys have had, you know, where, where you go and you eat the fish and it's staring at you? Yeah? Okay, so you've got the fish and it's staring at you and it's been fried and it's just delicious and it's really good. But when you eat fish like that, you chew carefully because you don't want to choke, right? That's how we should interact with media. Discerning, chewing carefully so that we can identify the bones and not choke. Don't just swallow. Chew carefully. Are you, here's the other, the other side of it. Are you a criticizer of media? Or are you a creator? Oh, that's wrong. I can't believe they say that. Oh, they're, they're always wrong. Or da, 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 da. You know, the best form of criticism is creating. You have a problem with it, make something better. You can choose not to consume it, so do that. Don't just keep consuming the stuff that's bad. Stop consuming the stuff that's unhealthy for you. But then create something that is actually healthy. Let's leverage media. Let's leverage social media for good. Do you spend your time complaining about things with media, about media, or on media, or proclaiming? What are the stories that you're telling? What are the stories that you're engaging with? What are the things that you're liking or plus-wanting or retweeting? What is it, and what does that tell about you? Does it tell that my life has been restored, my life has been rescued, my life has been changed? Or are we separating the sacred and the secular and saying, well, I have my digital self who kind of likes to, you know, occasionally I'll post a like if you love Jesus type of thing. And then the rest of the time I'm like doing all this other stuff online. And there's my digital self and then there's my real self. And like there's this distinction, almost like we make this sacred and secular distinction. But no, it's all of it. 
How am I interacting with the kingdom? We don't need a Christian you and a digital you. We need a, a whole you. We need to be who God created us to be consistently in every sphere of cultural influence. As Lecrae rhymes, how many of you are familiar with Lecrae? I won't attempt to rap this because he's way better at this. But if you didn't know him, would your life look the same? Can they tell you value Jesus by the way you rep his name? Man, what's the point of living if I'm living for myself? Lord, empty out my life before I put you on the shelf. So for God, I go hard. I don't want to die tonight. There's too many people living who ain't heard about my Christ. And you know, today, most of the people in the world that are connected to the Internet are connected to social media. And God calls us into relationship with him, but he also calls us into relationship with others and relationships with the world. We talk about it a lot as up, in, and out relationships. Where we're engaging with God, we're engaging with believers, but we're also engaging with the world. How are we doing that? Media can help you do that. You can download podcasts, you can watch live streaming, you can use it for Pandora or any other numbers of music listening things to engage in worshiping up. You can engage with other believers and you can engage with other Christians and you can encourage people who are struggling, who are down, who just posted something terrible that just happened for them and you can engage with that and be part of a meaningful relationship or you can just plus one or like, you know, the latest picture of a funny looking cat. You know what I mean? You can engage with the world by having stories to tell about the goodness of God in your life Or you can engage with the world when you hear stories of their story and interacting with that and actually caring. You can engage. And it may feel like a wilderness sometimes, much like the people of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 40. But the way has been made straight. Every valley has been lifted up. Every mountain and hill has been made low. The glory of the Lord can be revealed. There's more opportunity now for broadcasting the message of the gospel, not just in a well, I just told you the four spiritual laws, so I did my job kind of way. But in a meaningful, connecting way around the world, we have opportunity to do that. Because we're his people, his priesthood, his possession, who have been called to proclaim his glory. I want to ask you this morning, maybe today you don't know the good news that we're talking about leveraging social media and media about. And you're like, man, I really don't have a story to tell about how God has changed my life. And you want that story to tell. And I want to invite you, if you haven't done that before, this is a great day to not just follow him like you follow somebody on Twitter. You know, where you just click a button and I did that thing. But where you actually turn your life over to him and say, God, it's not about me anymore. It's about you. I need your forgiveness. I need that restoration. I know the brokenness in my life. I need you to do something about that. And I know only you can and nothing else can. Because all of this media, all of this technology, all of these desires and longing and reaching for relationship, that's not satisfying the need in my soul. I need you. And if you haven't done that this morning, I want to invite you to do that. And if you want to experience more of his glory, maybe you're somebody else, that... You're like, I wish I had a story to tell. I've surrendered my life to Christ, but I want God to work in my life so that I have a story to tell. Invite God to meet you with more of his glory in those situations that need restoration, that need rescuing, that need provision, so that you, God can proclaim his goodness and his glory through you. And today, so that's it, I want to invite you to that for those of you there, but 
a lot of you today need to be challenged. And I want to challenge some of you to be empowered in your media use. Renounce idolatry. Reject it. Let's not be that, that would, the person who would give up their sense of smell. Renounce this false dichotomy of separating between sacred and secular, digital and real. I want to challenge you to be discerning in your media use. Don't just swallow. It's a lot of fish that could make us choke. If today you're like, man, I've just been allowing a lot of junk into my life, then repent. This is a great time to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for allowing that garbage into my life, into my mind to affect the way I'm thinking. Repent and say, God, I want to turn away from that. Give me the power to turn away from that. I want to challenge you today to be a creator of media. Don't just, think, don't just consume it. Create media that points to God. It might be videos, it might be stories, it might be engaging with people, but do something that points to God. Choose to proclaim the goodness of God. So like Jeremiah and Peter wrote, shout it out with your lives, shout it out with your stories. Don't just be a consumer, don't be controlled by it, but be empowered to use media and not be used by it. Be a discerner, be a creator. Let's pray. If you didn't know him, would your life look the same? Can they tell you value Jesus by the way you rep his name? Man, what's the point of living if I'm living for myself? Lord, empty out my life before I put you on the shelf. So for God, I go hard. I don't want to die tonight. There's too many people living who ain't heard about my Christ. God, we don't want to just embrace this stuff for the sake of keeping up with our culture and our surroundings. God, we want to engage with it for the sake of your kingdom. God, help us to be discerning. If you're here this morning and you need to repent of allowing garbage into your life that, that's, that's destroying you and affecting your relationships with God and with others, great time to do it right now. If, if media and your cell phone or Facebook has become an idol in your life, or TV, or talk radio, and you want to dethrone that idol today, begin to, in your words, talk to God about it. If my people who are called by my name, that's us now, would humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So God, we've interacted, we confess, God, we've interacted with media in a way that has been a wicked way. We've allowed things into our lives that we shouldn't have. We've been undiscerning. We've broadcast messages that weren't of hope and weren't of proclaiming goodness in any way. We've interacted in relationships that weren't, weren't bringing life, they were bringing death. We've used social media and we've used other medias in ways that are destructive. God, help us to leverage those things to be real, to be authentic, and to bring your story and our stories and how those things intersect into the world in a meaningful way. And if this morning you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to just in your own words say, God, I, I recognize that I cannot 
do this on my own. I can't meet this need on my own. I need your forgiveness. I need you to restore me. I need you to make me whole. And invite him to be in your life and make you whole. In Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. This moment as you sing this song. And earlier we, 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 we sang, Lord, we want, you can change forever. And today, Lord, we want you to be the center of our heart, of our lives. Lord, uh, we want you, Father God, to take away all the trash. That, uh, Lord, uh, that block your blessings in our lives. And this morning, uh, as we are as we are calling him to be the center, be the fire of our heart. I know there is another voice that is talking to you as well. But test everything, discern everything, and hold on what the Lord wants you to hold. And throw away this morning all the trash, all the garbage. Leave them. The word is speak for me and you this morning. The thing that control your relationship with the with uh, with the Lord and others. And this morning, the Lord want to take them away from you, allow Him. As the worship, going to sing this song again. And the Lord want to be and to be, you know, in an encounter with you. Please uh, do not go. The way you are coming. Let him do his, his work in your life. He's not bringing this message for nothing. He knew this morning this message we needed. And this morning I I'm encourage you to let him work. Work it out. That is, remove all the obstacles that take the worship time, the praising time, the meditating times. Let him come in back and say, Daddy, I know how long I've been away from you, but today I hear you. And I smell you. I feel your touch. I see, Lord, the shadow of your hand, Father God, over me. And this morning, Lord, I don't want to be the same. I want, Lord, to come back to my relationship with you. And I want to invite you this morning to take action. Do something with what you heard. And if it means going home and plugging your phone in and leaving it there for the rest of the day and just checking it just in case and taking baby steps, or if it means going home and saying the TV is going to be off during mealtimes, Or if it means going home and going through your DVD collection, I don't know. 
But do something with what you heard tonight. I'm, well, this morning, I'm so used to the evening service. Listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying, because I believe he was speaking something, at least one thing specifically to each of us. Saying, this is what I, this is what kingdom culture looks like in your life in regard to media. And do something with that. So may God bless you and may the Holy Spirit empower you to hear what he wants you to hear this week. To see what he wants you to see. To be who he's called you to be and to do what he's called you to do. That as you go from this place, may his life and joy go with you and may his kingdom come and his will be done in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.